Welcome to the Eastview Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad to have you join us today. We're currently exploring a sermon series we're calling From Death to Life, where we explore the last week of Jesus and the events leading up to his death, burial, and resurrection. We hope that you'll enjoy this message. Please like, share, subscribe, and leave a comment to help this make this resource more readily available to those you love. Thank you, and have a great day. God bless. Before we get started, I want you guys to stand with me. This is something I like to do. It should get you excited. We're going to stand together if you're able, if you're able, and read God's Word together. Uh, I'm going to read for us really quick from the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 9. And it says, in the days of his flesh, or in his earthly body, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him, speaking of God the Father, who is able to save him from death. He was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who blame Him. I'm going to pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we're just so thankful to be in Your house together this morning, God, that we could come together and share Your Word, to share Your plans, God, to come into this place and be excited to meet You once again, God. We just pray that today Your Spirit would take over and consume this place. God, that a a mighty wind and a rushing flame would come through, God, that would excite our lives, that would excite our community, God, that we would have our hearts, our minds, and our everything, God, our our whole being focused on You and You alone. In Your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. So here we are, Mark chapter 14, and we're going to meet this guy named Jesus. Everybody know Jesus? Okay, all right, let's practice something real quick. All right, Paul, Paul's the church stuff for, for one second, right? We're going to hit time out. I want you guys to say amen. Yeah. All right, that was weak, right? Like, I love you guys, that was weak. Remember, we Paul's church. I want you guys to say amen. amen. Look at that. Okay, let's practice something a little, a little bit more. Let's, let's, just, let's try and bring it out a little bit more. Can you say Hallelujah. All right, you're better. Amen. So let's do that one more time. Amen. Amen. All right. Now we we have all we've all caught together that we can actually speak. We can actually let our voices be heard in the sanctuary, which is what we're called to do. Just so you know. All right. Now time back in. Anybody ever do that when they were a little kid? Like the game wasn't going in your favor, right? So what did you do? Like you, an unfortunate timeout where somebody else had to be froze. In, in some sort of stature, right, where they couldn't win, so you gave yourself an unfair advantage. I just did that to you guys, just so you know. I failed you in your moment of vulnerability, and I had you see that you can, in fact, say amen in church. You can, in fact, say hallelujah in church. In the early church, there was a phrase, probably only Buddy's going to be familiar, and that phrase was Maranatha. Everybody... I'm not going to make you say that one because you're probably not used to it. We're going to sound silly. But there was a phrase, and it was Maranatha. And what that meant was, come Lord. So this morning, 
as we study God's word together, I pray for us, Maranatha, come Lord into this place, come Lord into this house, that we would come and be willing to receive your word. So here we find Jesus, remember, the, like the center, the main character, whole thing, right? The, the beginning leads to him. The second part tells of his promises. You guys familiar with Jesus? So Jesus brings with him here to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he brings with him Peter, of course. Home field advantage, right? And he brings Peter, James, and John. I'm not saying that Jesus picks favorites. Jesus picks favorites, right? Peter, James, and John also got to witness this thing called the transfiguration. What is that? It'll blow your mind. Right? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to take you there. But in your personal study, go to Matthew chapter 17 and spend some time in verses 1 through 13. Have your mind really blown. And Jesus, yeah, that Jesus comes to us here in the Garden of Gethsemane. What is this? It, it's an olive garden. You guys, an olive garden? Okay, so the dad jokes don't work. So what Gethsemane actually means, right, is the olive press. This would be the tool that actually presses the olives. Anybody ever just tasted an olive by itself? Not great. You ever use olive oil? Hallelujah. God loves us, right? So here is Jesus in the place where the olive would be pressed. And Jesus comes into the same garden for Himself to be pressed. How many of you know that the, the winning of a battle doesn't actually come in the battle itself? The winning of a battle comes in the preparation. All of us here are familiar with the story of Jesus and the Passion Week occurrence where He goes to the cross and He's made humble and he does it all so brave. Never once, never once bending, never once breaking. And he takes it all for us. How many of us are familiar with the story of the Garden of Gethsemane where we see Jesus, of all accounts of Jesus, this is the, the, the greatest humanity, humility, most human side of Jesus Outside of John 11.35 when he weeps for Lazarus, this is the most human part of Jesus that we see in Scripture. See, we don't oftentimes take into account Jesus was both fully man, all the temptations of this world faced Jesus, and he was fully God. Jesus in this moment, <clears throat> Jesus in this time, in this olive garden, Let's laugh a little bit this time, guys. Right? Jesus at Olive Garden comes and prays for you and me. You see, the battle that was waged on the cross was won in the garden. The battle that Jesus would face along that road to sin and death and to take defeat for our, our, our behalf, it was won in the garden. But we don't study that part, which is why we're here in our first week of From Death to Life where we study this final week of Jesus' life and we're studying the Garden of Gethsemane. 
In this garden, we have the rules of three, right? Jesus prays three prayers, and actually, it's three prayers, but it's a continuous prayer. See, the prayer was to pray, keep watch, pray, and keep praying. Pray without ceasing. And we see here in Mark chapter uh, 14, verse 32, they went to the place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here, initially, check this out, sit here while I pray. Do you know why he said sit here while I pray? Because Jesus knew our failure that would come in the garden. We failed in the garden before. Jesus' first prayer is for me and you to have strength that when we do fail, that we'll be lifted back up by Him. And Jesus' first prayer comes here and He says, sit here. You don't even have to do anything else. Just sit, stay awake, keep your eyes on me while I pray. Verse 33, And He took with Him, remember, we don't, we don't pick favorites, but these three do happen to, to get to go to a lot more places than anybody else. <clears throat> and he took with him Peter, James, and John to be greatly distressed and troubled. He began to be greatly distressed and troubled. You remember the Jesus that we see on the road to passion? That's so strong. He comes here into the garden because this is the battle place. The, the battle is actually waged here in the garden. And he comes here and he begins to be greatly distressed. And here's the thing, guys. He's not distressed simply because of what he will face. He is distressed because he's worried about us. How do we know that he's worried about us? Because the first prayer that he prays is for us. Sit here, keep watch, I'll pray. And now here we are in the garden. Place yourself here. In the garden with Jesus. Verse 34, And He said to them, My soul... So He's greatly distressed and troubled. And He said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. See, the verse 33, that's, that's for me and you to get the context of things. This is what only they would see. And Mark, John Mark, through word of Peter, makes sure that we're able to be in this place with Jesus. That we can see Scripture playing out. That we can be there in the garden with Jesus. And He said to them, this is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. He verbalizes, right? And he says to them, My soul is very sorrowful. My soul, not my body. That'll become important when he speaks to the disciples lady, later. But he says here, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. There's no more beating around the bush, guys. He's foreshadowed to them of what would be coming to Him. And here in the garden, the place of war, He says to them, I am sorrowful even to death. 
Remain here. And here's where I told you that the, he says, keep watch, right? Pray and keep watch. Remain here and watch. This is a, this is a, a command that continues. Pray and keep praying. Why? Because if you stop praying, the enemy will defeat you. And here's the thing. Jesus knew that we would be defeated in the garden for the second time, mind you. He knew we would be defeated. And still, he prays for us. His mind, his focus is on me and you. In this time when he comes and he knows that he will be beaten, he will be denied, and he will be betrayed, and he comes here and prays for me and you. That's love. That is an unceasing love. An unceasing love that would call for unceasing prayer. Pray and keep praying. Watch and keep watching. And going a little further, he fell on the ground. The stage is set, guys. It has found him here in the garden. He is afflicted in the garden. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed. This is Jesus, guys. This one's not Peter. He fell and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass him. Why does this hour, some translations say that the cup may pass? Why does this matter? Because all along when the disciples say, hey Jesus, do that thing. And he says, not yet. The hour hasn't come yet. When his mom at the wedding in Cana says, now son, I need you. You know, I've, I've never asked this of you before. But I need you, you know, that, that water over there. Not, not making any demands, but there's water, there's no wine. What does he say? Not yet, mom. My hour hasn't come. My time hasn't come. This is how we know sons love their mothers. He does it anyways. Right? Like when mama says, we do, guys. Boys, y'all want to learn something that like if you never take anything from Pastor Caleb, look, follow me right here on this one. When mama says, we do. If you can commit that one, successful life, boys. I promise. <clears throat> and going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. You know that same Jesus that on the, on the road to the cross never falters, never shows a moment of weakness. Here in the garden, His humanity is present. Why? Because He's fully God and fully man. And notice who's with Him here. Peter, James, John. The rest are not here to see this moment. And I think that's for our benefit. See, he spent the most time teaching these three. They understand more than anyone else his will, his way. So he brings the ones that should be the three strongest in their faith amongst him. If it's possible, 
that this hour might pass him. One of my favorite pastors, Pastor Chuck Smith, who led the Jesus people movement of the 60s and 70s, he, he goes on in one of his commentaries to say that this moment of wishing that the, the hour may pass if it's within the will of God, it's not just for Jesus' sake. He wants to spend more time with the disciples to really make sure they're ready. Think of that. He cared so much about us that his first prayer in the garden is not, Oh, Dad. Oh, God, I need you. His first prayer, sit here, keep watch, watch me, and let me pray. I'm going to pray for you. And here we continue to follow him. He knows what's going to happen. And what does he do? He falls to his knees in submission and says, God, Dad, if it's possible, let this cup pass. Let this time pass. But it doesn't end there. Verse 36, and he said, Abba, Father, when we see Abba here, guys, we're not talking 80s dance music. Okay? When he says Abba here, notice the enunciation of the word Abba. Abba. What is a child's first word? 99.9 times out of 100. Mama, Dada, Papa. It's easy for us to repeat. It's easy for us to call to our parents. So his first thing that he says here, is, Dad, comma. There's a comma here because he takes that moment. Dad, Father God. We have a term of endearment followed by a sign of reverence. Fully man, fully God. And in this moment, Father, all things are possible for You. Why did I just say what I said? Because I know with You, Dad, all things are possible. Father God, in Your hands, all things are possible. The prophet Isaiah says that the servant Savior will come and say, into Your hands... I commit my spirit. He says it on the cross, but this is the first time that he says it. God, with you, all things are possible. If it's possible, give us a little more time together. If it's possible, let this ministry carry on just a little longer. Let it tarry on. But if not, if this is your will, God, if this is your will, into your hands I commit my spirit. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Story time with Pastor Caleb. This week, <laughs> I got to go and visit some of our shut-ins, which I'm going to keep doing uh, and make my way around to everybody. Nell's already called me for next week. Just so you guys know, Thursday afternoon, or Wednesday, Tuesday afternoon, I believe, has been reserved by Miss Nell. Right? So this past week, I got to go and visit some of our shut-ins. 
And I had something that as your pastor broke my heart and not in the way that, that, that hurts. It broke my heart in the way that makes you cry tears of joy. I got to go and meet for the first time in my life a lady named Nancy. Now she won't mind if I tell you guys this. Named Nancy Cochran, who tells me, first thing she says to me is, I pray for y'all every day. And Miss Nancy looks at me after she's just been so emotional. And she starts talking about her hand. And she says to us, you know, I pray God heal me, but only if that's his will. If that doesn't make your skin crawl, make you reassess your priorities, we got some hard hearts to work through. This lady who can't go do anything else but stay home, study the Word, pray for you. And she doesn't say, if this hand gets healed, I can go more places. No, she says, if I'm healed, but that God's will be done, not mine. And here I am, guys. I'm like 10 days into the sniffles because the weather changed. And I'm like, God, if you could just make the sniffles go away. Here I am that same day. Man, because I got the sniffles. And a lady who can't get out. A lady, I promise y'all that hand looked painful. A lady who is struggling says... And I want to be healed, but only if it's God's will. Jesus finds us in the same kind of moment here in Scripture. He says, and I know this hurts. And I know what this suffering will entail. And if it can pass me, be it your will, God. But if not, your will be done. There's a modern worship song that says, On earth as in heaven, Spirit of God pour out. Jesus in this garden says, Spirit of God pour out. Verse 37. Remember Jesus? His first prayer is what? For us. His first prayer back in 32 was for me and you. And in verse 37, He came and found them sleeping. Guys, me and you, if we had just committed a lot of effort and a lot of commitment into somebody, which is what Jesus has done, and you're like, I've been pouring into you, and you come to the person and say, are you going to rise to the occasion? And you found that person sleeping. Don't answer out loud. Because y'all couldn't say amen, but I promise you'd be ready to go on this one. What would you say? Right? But what does Jesus say? In His grace, in His mercy, in His life of abundance, He came and found them sleeping, and He said to Peter, Hey guys, if you're familiar with Scripture, Jesus finds him as Peter, calls him as Simon, 
and pretty well sticks to the Simon. So is Jesus a little angry with us? Yeah, but does he love us regardless? Absolutely. And he said to him, Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Are you asleep? We came here to pray. We came here to be in God's presence. And you're sleeping? Me and you, I know our hearts. We're done with it right there. We're not a pe- we, we, we may claim it, but we're not a people of the second chance. We come and find somebody asleep right here in this situation. All right, I had two other people I was working on too. I got 10 more. I got 10 more back in the village. You guys blew it. Strike one. See, that's how Jesus works. Strike one. Me and you instantly cast it out. I'm done with it. We react in anger and aggression. Jesus answers in humility and grace and forgiveness. Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? What was the command that he gave to him? Keep watch and keep watching. Pray and keep praying. And here he finds them, and they're asleep. And he says, not even one hour? All right, let's work on this. You see how forgiveness works? Instead of condemnation, I found you asleep, done with you. How flesh works. No, no, no. Jesus works in mysterious, miraculous ways, guys. He has a patience that we cannot understand. Verse 38. Here's the command again. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The first time they got watch and pray. Just watch and pray. Quick field trip back to Matthew 6.13 would take you and show you uh, the Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. In other words, in Jesus' greatest hits, probably the greatest hit uh, that this preached there comes in Matthew 6, verse 13. And when teaching us to pray, He says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you read the Sermon on the Mount, this verse, in, in its context in this place, seems a little out of place. Everything else is peace and love and kumbaya. And he says here in this moment, Let us not, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Fast forward to the garden. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. In other words, when I told you, I was teaching you to pray, Remember I said that, that thing to you that in the moment you were like, I don't know what that means. It's just Jesus being Jesus. It meant something. Everything that I did, everything that I do, everything that I say means something. Hold on to it. Why did he bring James and John, uh, James and John in this moment? Right? Could have chose anybody. 
There was a moment when Jesus is teaching and James and John kind of make a little bit of a steer of commotion, a power grab of sorts, and they say, hey, Jesus, when we get to heaven, right and left seat, me, Jesus tells them in that moment, you're not ready for it now. I don't even have control to assign these seats, but you're definitely not ready for it. Now look who comes with him. The one that says, Peter, I'll never deny you, God. I'll never deny you, Jesus. I'll never turn my back on you. And he said, Jesus says, I, I get it. I, I get the enthusiasm. But before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. Never, God. So he's got the guy that said, I'm never turning my back. And the ones that said, we're worthy and we're capable. Let us take the seats of authority with you in heaven. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Your heart's in it. But your body's giving out on you. Your heart's in it. Your soul's in it. But your mind, it's a wicked thing and it's failing you here. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. In other words, Jesus prayed and He kept praying. Father God, give me strength. Father God, don't let them fall into temptation. Verse 40, And again He came and found them sleeping. What I need you all to understand, to acknowledge good is to acknowledge evil. Remember he said that your spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. In this moment, just in the same way that, that the Satan has convinced Judas to betray Jesus, I truly believe in the same way, in that same interaction, that the Satan is telling their bodies here, you don't, you don't need to hear any of this. You don't, you don't need to see any of this. He's just praying. You're tired. Close your eyes. My Judah, my youngest, a lot of times when you lay him down, guys, I'm not making this up, he has pep talks to himself. You'll hear him and he says, all right, Judah, go to sleep. <laughs> And then you'll hear, I'm not sleepy. And then he creeps to the gate. Right? Like he's had his personal pep talk. Now he comes to the gate and he says, 
Baba, brother, open the gate. That's all of us, guys. We know what we're supposed to do. But oftentimes it's a lot easier to do what we want to do. He knows he needs to go to sleep. But he wants to rage on. And again, he came and found them sleeping. Here's our indication, guys. For their eyes were very heavy. Remember, your spirit is willing, but your body, your flesh... Is weak. For their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. How do I know that, that the Satan has befuddled them in this moment? Not only are they asleep, they're just like, mm-hmm. you know, the first time he came to them and said, Could you not keep awake? They, they surely Peter had some sort of a defense there. You see, God, what I was doing was preparing myself for the duration of the night. Right? But in this moment, and he says, Man, Simon, you can't stay awake. I don't know. That's how we are when we're found in our sins, guys. You gave yourself this big pep talk as you fell into sin. Then conviction finds you in your sin. And you know what your defense is? Strike two. You know the beautiful part of Jesus? When we strike out, because we do strike out, He keeps playing. He keeps loving us. We're still in the game. It kind of looks like T-ball. I'm just saying. I, don't, I would never get to coach T-ball, y'all. I'm too competitive. You swing three times, bro, you got to go sit on the bench. But they give them like 10 strikes and then they put a T out. I'm like, back in my day, son. <laughs> and he came, verse 41, he came the third time and he said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Believe the King James says, rest on. See, Jesus in this moment realized we fall into the flesh. But I'm going to love you anyways. See, we're a people that when someone fails, we like to throw guilt and shame. Jesus is the God of forgiveness that says, it's okay, I'll take care of you. Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. Remember guys, I told us we're we're setting the stage. We're here in the garden. Chronologically, we're actually going to go backwards in time. Next week, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. We're going to take communion together. We're going to study communion. We're going to see what it is that we're actually partaking in before we do it. The hour has come. Jesus knew this was coming, guys. This is not a surprise. This is not a shock to Jesus. 
The Son of Man is betrayed. In the same way that this morning, if you were here in Sunday school, we saw that the bread is broken and given. Judas didn't deny the bread. He took it. He ate from the bread. He drank from the cup. Just like all the rest of us. Rise. Let us be going. Me and you would say, I am gone. I don't run fast, but I'm running. I know it's a Prius, but I'll race it. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. It's easy in this moment to look at Judas with condemnation, guys. When he says here, Arise, my betrayer is here. That's us. That's every single one of us. If you were born of this earth, that's you that he's speaking of. And he loved us enough that he still gave his life on the cross for me and you. I'm going to read you one quote and then we're going to close this thing in prayer. C.S. Lewis, let's, we're, going to spread, we're going to split our crowd here real quick. C.S. Lewis, the Narnia guy. Okay, some of y'all are like, I got you. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian apologist. Now I got some of y'all, right? C.S. Lewis, the space trilogy. Then I found the rest of us, okay? That's C.S. Lewis. He says in Pyrilandra, which is part of the space trilogy, <clears throat> when he died in the wounded world, he died not for men, but for each man. If each man had been the only man made, he would have done no less. Each thing, from the single grain of dust to the strongest Ildil, and the Ildil is, a, is an angel, if you're not familiar with the Space Trilogy, which probably like three of us are, and we got it, we were excited. But an ill deal here is an angel. So he says, each thing from a single grain of dust to the strongest angel is the end and the final cause of all creation and the mirror in which the beam of His brightness comes to rest and so returns to Him. Blessed be He. I'm going to pray for us real quick. Dear Heavenly Father God, we're just thankful in this place and this morning, God, that that we may not be who we want to be, but we are, God, who You created us to be, God. And we just pray in this moment, God, that You'll give us the strength to stand in a world that will test our faith. That You'll give us the strength to rise up when the occasion is brought before us as it will come before each person in this room. I just pray, God, that if there's anyone here that doesn't know You as their personal Lord and Savior, that they not leave this place today without finding more about who You are. That they not leave this place without knowing You. And I pray, God, that today, if there be anybody in this place, Lord, maybe backslidden, God, that may not see where You're calling them to be, but can feel the pull and the draw back to Him. I pray that they not leave this place without finding us, God, and ironing out those things. We pray these things in Your holy, glorious name. Amen.